Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. I am your host, Kevin Bradley, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher, fresh off of a very cool performance at Fight to Win. We'll get into that very quickly. But first, this would not be an episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast without a brief shout out for our sponsors, your friends and ours, No Judges Needed. Your one-stop shop, all of your grappling apparel needs. I'm talking rash guards, fight shorts, uh, geese modeled by the immaculate Mr. Kevin Gallagher, I might add. And also uh, casual wear, because what is this sport if it's not something you can let people outside of the gym know you do all the time? Really great designs on all the products there. And any of these would make an amazing Christmas gift, holiday present for the grappler in your life, or maybe you're treating yourself. Either way, it's going to cost some money, and we're here to help you out in that regard. You can use the promo code JJT at checkout to knock out 20% off all purchases. We know COVID's hitting everyone pretty hard this year, so every bit of saving counts, and you let people know that you love them, you care about them, give them some new gear, you know, increase their game. Once again, that is code JJT for 20% off at checkout. Go to www.nojudgesneeded.com. Thank you for No Judges Needed for sponsoring the show. We won't let you down. All right. Ad read over. Let's get right into it with some hard-hitting news. Now, it's not often that we, the hosts, are the news that needs to be talked about a little bit. But, Kev, you had a real last-minute performance at Fight to Win coming right off of COVID. You know, you're still feeling symptoms. So, how are you feeling and how does it feel knowing you cost so many people so much money? You know? <laughs> exactly. First and foremost, like I, I can't tell you the number of people that sent me uh, private messages on Facebook and Instagram you know, grapplers in the community that we've had on the show. People that I know that have seen me compete before that sent me messages that were like, bro, I can't believe you're the underdog. I'm, uh, we're going to make so much money off this. We're going to bet <laughs> off this. And like, and every time I would get one of those messages, I would be like, bro, like, Thank you very much for your vow of confidence. Um, Josh Souter is a very, very solid competitor that I've known for a long, long time that has been competing on a high level for a very long time. Like, don't think this is just, you know, automatic in the bag. Here we go. Give it to Coach Kevin because uh, it's not. And obviously it wasn't when you saw the outcome. But all of you people that bet on me, uh, I sincerely apologize for the fact that you did. Um, but – Whatever, that's life. What did, what did Joshua Duke say? If you don't have the money for your bets, you shouldn't be betting, period. So there you go. But, you know, as far as the COVID thing goes, like, you know, I don't want to, I never, I didn't want to use that as an excuse. I didn't want to bring it up to say, well, you know, I've only been two weeks off of COVID and all those other things like that because I don't like to live like that. I don't like to talk like that. You know, I'm not in the best of shape. Um, I didn't want it to take away from Josh's performance because obviously he did perform very well and he was. To be quite honest, uh, I'm used to him a little bit bigger. Normally, he's about 230-ish. He's cutting down to 208 for the um, for the Masters Worlds to get down to the heavyweight yeah. instead of a uh, super heavyweight. And like I knew he was going to be strong, but his mobility was what really caught me off guard. He moved really well. And, you know, I, I just got over COVID. Uh, I had talked to Seth Daniels when I found out they were coming to Orlando, and I said, oh, man, it sucks you're coming to Orlando this week. I've really been wanting to get back on the fight to win stage. I really enjoy fighting for those guys. And you see a lot of the masters guys really out there tearing it up right now. So I figured why not give it a, give it a shot. See if I can throw my head in the ring, hat in the ring. And I'm proud of my performance. And I don't think a six minute uh, submission only match. Like you don't have to be in ridiculous shape to be able to do that. Um, and you know, whatever I'm happy for, for the way I performed. I thought it was a good showing for me. Yeah, I got to say, it looked like you were going hard on the attacks. You were playing a lot of bottom game. Uh, and you you uh, encountered this guy before. Was there a definitive game plan or just sort of loosey-goosey? I know you're training with some absolute killers down at Gracie Tampa South. So were they, were they beating your ass every day? Like- so, yeah, I mean, obviously I did not get to get into – the shape that I'm accustomed to being in. I was funny, even looking at myself on stage <laughs> watching. I was like, Oh God, I look horrible. <laughs> I got like, like a fat old guy. <laughs> but it was kind of, it was kind of depressing. Um, so I hadn't really been able to push myself as hard as I'd like to in a training, in a training camp to get up into like real competition training. 
level. But I have been training, so I'm not like I'm fresh off of nothing, but not really at that next level. So one of the things I knew about him, I knew he's super strong, and I know he's got a good solid base, and he's you know he's shorter than I am by a couple inches and just stout. I knew taking him down was going to be tough for two reasons. First of all, because he's got a hard body to shoot it on underneath. And secondly, I just know that I don't have that extra explosiveness to grind in and really finish a single leg or a double leg like I'd like to. So I assumed I was going to be pulling guard. I was going to, you know, my, my game plan usually in submission only matches is to kind of toy with the takedown to wear my opponent out and then eventually get into a position where I either take the takedown or coax them into shooting on me, whereupon I make them work a little bit and pull guard or I'll take a good shot like I did into a single leg and pull it into my half guard and start working off my half guard. I'm very confident working off my back. And I feel like my submission attacks are are at a higher level off of my back than they are for me fighting from the top. I just get to positions better and I, I my leg lock game is more impressive from the bottom from the bottom part and stuff. So yeah, I, I was really – I was kind of hopeful just because that last second uh, leg attack it looked like you were going for, I, I thought that would be worth more points, you know. But you, you had said that the like the arm lock attempt he, he had early on was worth like four. So that's where I don't – I don't know for sure. Um, it's hard. Like They just changed the fight to wins rules to where they do major – like they have an actual – scoring system that the judges use when they're judging the matches now. So if you have a deep submission that is almost finished, they give you a five point sub for that. And then every other subsequent subsequent submission attempt is one point. And then you get a point for slam. So that's why you're seeing more slams. Yeah. Um, and then you also at the end of all of that, if the points are close or the points are the same or no points were scored according to that criteria, the judges now look upon who was pushing the action and enforcing the action. And, you know, like whatever, whatever you can, I, I obviously the competitor in me thinks that I won watching the criteria. If you were to ask me how I won, I could say, well, you know, this, this, and this and break it down in my own mindset because it's an objective, um, you know, scoring criteria. And on top of that, you know, when you look at what happened and you think about it from the concepts of the way I perceive it, like the first arm lock, you know, I was going for a deep half guard sweep that I literally hit on everyone. That's just my funk, but the, the deep half guard sweep, I come out the back door and sometimes good grapplers will get that arm lock on the way down. Yeah. But I'm no one, you know, the, 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 the number of people that are going to finish that on me, while I'm going for the sweep is going to be very low. So I kind of allow that to go without having to be too concerned about it. And then we came over across, it was kind of deep and I pulled it back out again. And now I'm in the top position. I passed this guard. Um, then the second one was when I was in half guard, I started to come up for a single leg and he got a real good guillotine attempt on me. That was, you know, again, was it a guillotine that I was in any way, shape or form threatened by maybe for a split second, but there was never really a chance of him to finish that. So now you can start to say that that's another one that scored based upon the criteria. I mean, um, I think, I think we, we look at fight to win. And I think for a lot of people, the consensus is it's one of the closest rule sets we've got right now to, to really generating fluid jujitsu. You know, yeah. there's, there's, there's incentives for going for stuff and there's an incentives for movement that aren't there in other rule sets, but Every rule set's going to have problems, and so one of the ones with fight to win is that you you see people going for those n nothing submissions just to rack up points, you know, like that heel hooks not not anywhere, but it's there, you know, the guillotine's not there, but it is, you know, it could be there, and I think it's it's growing pains. It's a sign of learning more about a rule set. Seth is is not married to anything. He's going to he'll change he, he stuff. He changes it every week. We, we yeah, which week is good. Time. You want right. to see that because problems are always going to rise up. Right. But I'm thinking your big issue is that you didn't just slam this guy 10 times. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And you know, <laughs> I am nowhere near complaining that he won. Like I said, at the I'm I obviously I would like to debate the fact that I won, but 
when they put his hand up, I was not like, I was like, I could totally see the call was, you know, it was a very close, close match. Even the announcers agreed. Someone's going to be disappointed at the end of this match. It just happened to be me, you know, hats off to Josh. I love the guy. We're, we're, we're buds, man. We go way back. Like he, he fought a hell of a match. He had a great strategy, great game plan. And to kind of go back to the idea of, you know, the rule sets of fight to win, you know, it's anytime, there's a rule set involved. There are going to be people that are not necessarily manipulate that rule set. Game, but make it you play the game. Play the you game. Play the game. You, yeah, look, look, Bill Russell, 11 rings, one of the greatest NBA players of all time, had one of the best quotes ever about what it means to be an athlete and to, to play a sport. You play to win the game. That's 100%. what you do. You, you don't know? play for stats. You don't play for the highlight reel. The only highlight reel, only highlight reel that matters as a competitor is the W at the end when you put your hand up in the air. And anyone that says differently is just flawed in their strategic approach. Like people were like, "Oh man, you know, towards the end of the match, like he 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 wasn't really initiating anything. He wasn't really going anything." Well, you know, probably because in his mind he knew there was about a minute left. He knew he was up on the criteria engaged, whereupon it wasn't really upon his interest or better interest to start going for things. And dude, like <laughs> I would have done the same damn thing. So I mean, if I knew that I would have been up in my perceived notion of the of the tempo of the match, I would have definitely done the same thing. I would have hugged his hips. I would have maybe pretended like I was doing a little something here when I would look at the clock and realize there was 30 seconds left to get the W move on. I'm life. not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie though. When I was watching it, I was like, Oh, this guy's like he's stolen. What is he stolen? But if you if you if the positions have been repulsed, I've been like You're easy go. Hold on, dude. Just hold him there. Strategy, strategy, big brain. You got this. It's all about perception. Fuck that guy. <laughs> like, you know, and at the end, when I got the, the straight ankle lock at the end, I thought that that would have been enough. But it is what it is, dude. Like I, 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 like I said, I understand the strategy. I understand what he was doing. Um, I also am confident and happy with myself when I walked away from the match that I did every ounce that I could all the way up in the end to try to work my ass off to get that W. I just had a few things that didn't work my way, and that's that's the way life goes. And he was a good competitor. He deserves a W, and I'm happy for him. I think that's the the absolute healthiest way you can go about any kind of competition. And, and hats off to you for for having that attitude, because I'm not going to elaborate. But we both know people in this sport oh, yeah. who would make a big kowtow about <laughs> oh, the COVID, oh, this, that, other things. So no, and we both know who I'm talking about. But never you know, been that way. <laughs> the Bruno Bostis, one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite guys of all all time, friend of the show. We've had him on before. I love listening to his quotes. If you're not following Bruno on Facebook. And Instagram, you should because he is probably one of the thing, one of the guys I consider to be the platinum standard for for jujitsu in, in in our community. Um, he put something up the other day. He lost at the pans, I think, or something like that. And his first quote was, "Winners never make excuses." And that was it. End of story. Went on to say, "I lost. This happened. Good enough. Game on. Congratulations to my opponent." And that is one hundred percent the one thing that I could ever try to instill. And to anyone that ever tries tries to compete, anyone that's ever been involved in any competition, you know what, man? Things happen. There are going to be unfortunate circumstances beyond your control that maybe are even sometimes nefarious, right? Maybe a referee consciously makes a poor decision on your behalf because of some something that happened in the beginning or subconsciously. Who knows? Um, at the end of the day, you should have done more up to that point to solidify your victory you can never look at one instinct of a match and say well this is the reason why i lost and dwell on that you were ill prepared you made mistakes you did things leading up to that point that did had nothing to do with that point that caused you to lose you dwell on your failures and the horrible mistakes and mishaps that might have happened then 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 you're thinking like a loser just bottom line sorry I mean, again, yeah, it's it's easy to forget that we're all doing a, a really niche sport that survives because all of us are participating in it in some way. So I feel like that we, we got that over other things that are more established. You know, like this is very it's very insular. It's very much us against the world. So, you know, if you're if you're out there grinding right now, taking matches, you know, even though you're you might be running up against some young phenom, know that you're a big part of the story. You know, anybody. So so keep on grinding. And also, you know, 
again, we, we talked about this last episode, fear the, always fear the old man and the young man's profession. That's right. right. When I can't say one more thing and I'll kick it off. I, I can't think of anything, honestly, that I enjoy more than getting up to compete. It's weird because there's, it's, it's a horrible process for me because as I'm getting ready to go compete, I literally feel horrible. Like I convince myself, why am I doing this for? This is ridiculous. Why am I? Th- why am I even all the way up until the moment of the competition? Then when you're out there on the stage and and and, and people are screaming and you've got the music playing and you walk out and you're up on that big 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 stage ready to go and it's just you and the guy standing that gets across from you. Like there's just something about like the ebb and flow of any contest, the grind to try to get that out that just it's a beautiful thing that just doesn't get recreated in, in very, very many other circumstances in life. So if you haven't compete, you like to compete, don't worry about the praise. Don't worry about getting GGT Times articles written about you. Just go out there and crank it out because you love to do it. But, you know, uh, keep in mind that you do well enough, maybe we'll have you on the show. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> if you do well, I'll, I'll give you a call. We'll, we'll yeah. get you on the GGT Times. Make you right. Instagram famous. I appreciate – again, thank you for all your insights, man. But, uh, sp- like, you know, we're, we talked about – an old guy, older guy, kind of not having a, day, a good day. How about we talk about the exact opposite? Uh, a teenager having such a good day, it kind of just broke everyone's brains for a little bit. Uh, recently, a 14-year-old green belt submitted three black belts at a tournament and then got his blue belt. How <laughs> we are not unused to the phenoms, you know, Grace Gundrum, Nikki Ryan, the Rotolo brothers. But a green belt, three black belts in a tournament. I I'm I'm stunned, man. Uh this this guy is this guy is incredible. Um <laughs> JR uh Caballero. Caballero. Caballero Caballero. The, horse, the horseman, I think, is what that means. Like that yeah. means like a cowboy is a caballero. I think horseman of death. Jesus. Um you know. First of all, a couple of things to talk about. Um, you know, just because he's 14 years old doesn't necessarily I mean I'm just look at him. He looks 14, but look look at that kid. You know, look he's at got his, big thick look at legs. His, yeah, his legs are huge. <laughs> chest is developed. You know, some kids hit that maturity level at a younger age. Some kids are just destined to get stronger, faster, start to get their hormones kicking and become tiny men. At a much younger age, we were talking the other week about Wagner Roach's son Achilles. Um, when I was commenting on the fight to win two weeks ago, I was talking about his son, and I knew his son since he was a baby. Like I've known him since he was a little kid running around the gym, and uh, he was competing. And I saw him against another guy who was obviously you know twenty two years old. And I made the comment, "Oh, Achilles, he's he's finally grown up. He's probably looks. I can't remember exactly, but I think he's sixteen, seventeen years old." And Wagner two matches later came up to me and tapped me on the shoulder. Is like, Oh man, he said Achilles is, is 17. He's only 14. And I'm thinking to myself, so like, right. You see these kids and they hit those growth spurts at that young age. And it happens at different stages for, for different, different young, young boys. And, you know, on top of that, I think if anything, more than anything, what we're starting to see is a testament to how important growing and learning to do jujitsu at that young, young age. Like I'm sure he's a green belt, 100% green belt, but I'm also fairly certain that he has not been training for six months. I'm pretty sure this kid's probably been training for five or six years, which would make him a brown belt if he was a grown-up. So his jujitsu knowledge – up to that point, the mat time, the mat experience up to that point would put him on par with a lot of black belts and a lot of like amateur level black belts or black belts that aren't really high level competitors, particularly at that size. Um, it's just it's a testament to how good American Jiu Jitsu is becoming by allowing these young kids and taking them at a very young age when they're very impressive when they learn like despite themselves at elevated rates and teaching them the art of Jiu Jitsu until they start to hit that growth spurt and then they realize they're men and then they already know like they're moving they learn more about jujitsu they they've forgotten more about the movements of jujitsu they have things that are so entwined into their muscle memory and mechanics 
that you know they're phenoms and we're starting to really see that with the Vertel brothers i think that i i have a similar position but like first about this kid he is he's 14 he's actually only been training for four years like yeah. four years but i also think this speaks to you're right in that a lot of things are changing and i think I, i'm thinking back to when we had jay and steve on uh, a little while ago and Jay's thoughts on coaching where there's a lot of things at the professional level, like when you boil jujitsu down to what's going to help you in a tournament setting, a lot of those self-defense aspects and like certain types of guards, certain types of situations aren't going to show up a lot or they haven't been showing up a lot. So skip that restructure the training, like focus on immediately what is going to have an impact on them doing well at the, like at the tournaments on the big stages and you know like uh, steve joachim hasn't been training that long is starting to submit black belts uh nicky nicky rod physical phenom but going up against similarly phenomenal athletes and taking them to task you know also beating black belts had a a win over muhammad ali and and cyborg and uh, as well as others nicky ryan another great pedigree grace gundrum was beating black belts before she got a black belt. I think we're just seeing the fact that the way jiu-jitsu was learned by a certain crop of black belts compared to what is being how it's being taught now to the youngest like really bleeding edge competitors is different. Now that's not to say that like you know Galvao and and uh uh Buchecha and and Low like those guys aren't phenomenal, but they learned a different way and they learned a way that they had to improve in order to get to where they are. So I think we're just seeing jujitsu being adapted differently by younger people. You know, it's, it's not like, I don't know. I I might be rambling. No, I I, I 100% agree with you. Like the, the kids these days are learning new and advanced philosophies and strategical ideologies about jujitsu, you know, barren bolos and leg lock attacks and entanglements and rolling back takes and truck rolls and all the crazy things that like older guys are either not athletically inclined to be able to do anymore or just kind of like blank their brain with because they don't have time to try to figure that out piece together. You know, the structural, you know, easy, simple, modified jujitsu that we re- we learn as, as older guys, you know, these young kids are learning it from scratch at a time when their brains are just absorbing the information. And then, you know, one more thing about the idea of him being a blue belt or a green belt or whatever it is, is like, you know, belts are a very deceptive concept and construct when, when we, when we talk about jujitsu development, like I know plenty of black belts that have ridiculous knowledge of jiu-jitsu that are very, very sound in their education and their knowledge of positional jiu-jitsu and their ability to instruct jiu-jitsu that aren't necessarily the best on the mat when it comes down to competing on the mat. Um, you know, that will get their guard passed by a purple belt or get, get even submitted by a really athletic blue belt or purple belt. Um, so the idea of saying that, you know, a black belt, you know, a black belt should never get submitted by a purple belt. And if it does happen, it's just an astronomical event that's just off the charts. Like that's not really true to the case, particularly when you're talking about guys now that are working with leg locks. This black belt might not have ever done much leg locks. You know, I'm talking about or working with truck rolls and all these other things are 10th planet oriented that now the black belt instructor might not have had the same depth of knowledge. Now, when you talk about it from strictly jujitsu knowledge, right? Does the black belt have more knowledge of jujitsu overall than the blue belt does or the purple belt does? Absolutely. But that blue belt may be more athletically inclined, a better competitor, have a better cast tank, better be younger, younger, faster, stronger, or have a little more knowledge of some of the fringe elements of jujitsu at the time when they compete and at the time when they competed to be able to get to victory. Right. And I think it's really important, especially for young guys to understand that, because I hear a lot of times, oh, he's a black belt. Like he must be some like God that walks amongst water, you know. And yeah, a lot of times they are. And a lot of times as black belts and brown belts, when we're rolling with blue belts and purple belts, like we use that to our advantage. We use this aura of being a black belt. So now you're afraid. Like I know you're strong and tough and I know I watch you pass other people's guard with ease. 
but you're so worried to attack me at full go because I'm a black belt and I'm trying to set a trap. Well, yeah, I probably am. But if you really worked your ass off, I know you could pass my guard. Or I know you could have finished that arm bar. Or I know you weren't really in danger when I had that straight ankle lock. You just tapped because I'm a black belt. Right. So as young competitors and young athletes out there, like, don't be afraid of the black belts. I mean, show us some respect. Don't try to kill us. But don't, I mean, don't, don't be afraid. Go out there and do your jiu-jitsu the best of your knowledge. What's going to happen is going to happen. Whatever, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Okay, sirrah, sirrah. I'm so I apologize. Uh, this is rambling, Coach Kevin. Today, I apologize. I'm trying my best to stay coherent. I'm sorry if I'm uh, if I'm uh, if I'm talking too much. Oh, hey, no worries, man. You you just you, you had a big big uh big week, big week. You big know, week. so no big one's week. gonna fault you for it. Thank but you. Uh, I Thank think you. we. I think we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up something from the world of the UFC. Some big uh, shape up, shake ups happening Let's in some something. organizations. And uh, Yoel Romero has agreed to sign with Bellator and will debut debut at light heavyweight. So wow. you know, the soldier of God, uh, an absolute staple in the UFC for many years now, multiple time like title contender. You know, just just a, a phenomenally legend, a legendarily gifted fighter uh just physically one of the most ridiculous human beings to ever to ever live like if you gave me the option of spending a day and as anyone and i couldn't go, <laughs> i couldn't like i had a height limit like i had a height limit it'd be yoel it would probably be yoel yeah just because yoel with an intact spine like like giving him when he was like full yoel instead of like spinal injury when he was a wrestler and a boxer you know, this, I, I would just say Martin Ford. Shout out Martin, Martin. Ford. Oh, <laughs> I've been, I just hit him up on Instagram. I sent him a message. He's super cool. He always, he always hits me right back up, asking yeah. if he's going to come to Tampa. But watching some of his latest Instagram videos of Martin Ford training is just frightening. He's just running and seeing him running. Seeing a guy that big run yeah. is and, terrifying. And then just I'm, like turn to the camera and go, ah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we had to shout out if, you, if you're not following if you're not following him, go follow Martin Ford on Instagram. He's a ridiculously cool guy. Right. Uh, but yeah, Yoel Romero, uh, Bellator uh, uh, often serves as a, a place for older UFC athletes that are still looking to make a paycheck after they leave the promotion. I I don't know anyone at light heavyweight that's really going to give him like that 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 really makes me interested in a matchup. I don't think Bader is still at Bellator, is he? Like, hang on, let me check. Oh, there, I mean, even if they're not, they're just a phone call away from a payday. You know, even if Bader's not signed with Bellator, they could be like, hey, you want to fight Yolo Moreno? We'll pay you a couple hundred thousand dollars. Or we'll pay you a hundred thousand dollars to come do it. And I'm sure he's going to jump right on. Well, that. I mean, Bellator's got pretty good pay scale. I mean, like they're for the big guys, for the big ones. Yeah. Like, I'm sure I, they offered you all a huge contract too. I mean, I, I'm just really interested in seeing him move up and wait. I, you know, uh, It's funny you say that because I was hearing that now that he was going to move up to light heavyweight. Obviously, he's had trouble making weight in the past. He's such a huge guy. Um, uh, Joe Rogan always makes the comments that I can't believe this guy makes middleweight. When you see him walk in the ring, he's just such a huge, massively – gigantic human being like he should like the math doesn't add up for this person to be able to hit middleweight he's just way way too big um so that being said i'm surprised that dana white wouldn't allow him to make a run there's a lot of a lot of a lot of um a lot of talent and a lot of possibilities at lightweight but no real stars without john jones you know, without John Jones up in the mix, and who knows what's going on with John Jones, there's not really a whole lot of star power at the light heavyweight division. So to get rid of someone that adds immediate star power to that division division by moving Yoel Romero up into into the light heavyweight position, it makes it, it doesn't really make sense to me. It makes me think that there's more to the story than just Yoel wasn't good enough to compete in the UFC anymore because you know he had a few boring fights. But it's still freaking Yoel Romero. And maybe now, without being sucked out trying to make weight, his wrestling becomes more of a factor, which he hasn't been using a whole lot in his previous fights. I know he has a bad back. But, I mean, the guy's a freaking Olympian. He's a, what, a bronze medalist. I don't see why he doesn't – he could have taken down any of the lightweights and uh, light heavyweights 
and taking the dominant position in, in, in that regard. But who knows? We'll see. Maybe Dana White was just over his shit. He's had too many boring fights in the past, and he's sick of it. <laughs> well, you know, another possibility, given recent announcements, uh, since Yoel is going to light heavyweight, there was recently another big signage for that division. I believe that division or a fighter that has that has mainly lived at that division for the majority of uh, his successful career. Uh, Anthony Rubble Johnson signed with Bellator. If we could see a beefed up Yoel against a I like uh, an already beefy Rumble, that just that's just I, well, I, 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 I guarantee you. <laughs> well, I can I can almost guarantee you that that will be either the first fight these two have or very close to it. To see the, I mean, that's the, what other reason would you sign Yoel Romero and, and Rumble Johnson on the same card at the same weight class? To, to, aside from having an eventual super fight between the two, which would you know be astronomical, everybody pay to see that. I'd watch that. Be interested to see. I feel like it's it's. I feel bad for Yoel just because of how long he's been a staple in the sport, and I, I feel bad that he never collected. The, I felt like he earned. Like he should have earned a belt at some point. Title and fight, exactly. Uh, well, four right. title fights, maybe. I'm glad they they gave him that chance against Izzy. And right. honestly, I really thought that was going to go better than it did. I thought we, that was going to be explosive, and I really thought Yoel had a shot just because he's an incredible striker. He's you know I know he's been injured, but he's got proven ability on the ground. And Izzy, you know, even though he just earned his purple belt, maybe not as much experience on the ground. I um it it was something I was looking forward to seeing. You know, I felt like he had more to give, but I am happy that he's at Bellator. I'm happy that he's still able to make money and hopefully he, you know, is able to get that championship while he's there. Plenty of great up and comers in the promotion. And it's, uh, it's odd to me, you know, just thinking about the I don't want to say a decline, but the 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 twilight years of Yellow Romero's career just to watch the way he has changed his game and changed his strategic approach approach to MMA, you know, for whatever reason, he quit focusing on the wrestling aspect of his game, maybe because it makes him too tired. You know, he's an older guy. He's 43, I think now, maybe 44, you know, that's old. I'm (laughs) going to Google it. I'm going to Google it and it's going to bum me out. Yeah. Well, and to be honest with you, the Cubans are notorious for lying about their age too. So a lot of people think he may even be older than that, like 46 ish. It says he's 40, 43, 43. Yeah. Honestly, I would, if this guy came out and said, "Hey, I'm 50," I wouldn't right. doubt it. <laughs> wouldn't doubt it at all. He's just a genetic, a genetic freak. Um, you know, he has the genes to compete. You know, it's it's sad because I I would have I, just like everybody else. I would have liked to see Yoel a completely healthy, 100% Yoel fighting when he was able to be that elite level wrestler, and now combine that with his ability to strike and his fluid motions in and out. He has a very slick style that he has you know adapted to his game because of his age he plays a very efficient very aloof kind of rolling around and throw like easy punches and grab and punch and things like that that are very energy efficient because of his age and he does a good job with that um it's just sad that we never really got to see the monster that was joel romero in his early early days yeah and then uh I feel like that's a good place to end that. So, uh, Mr. Yep. Romero, best of luck in yep. your new promotion. Obviously, right. we're going to keep watching you. No forget Jesus. No, no forget no, Jesus. No, no forget Jesus. <laughs> that's it. You got to say it like you're g- grasping onto the last breath as you're having a heart attack. <laughs> you are – like coach needs you to uke for him, and he's demonstrating the rear naked choke, and he's just – He's bringing it in. That's that last little <laughs> gasp of air that you have. That's right. That's that's what that's what Yoel works with. That's right. And uh, I hate to do this, but we got to continue this string of sort of fighters we don't bring, like seeing. Bring on it on. Bring it on. Uh, El Kakui downer today. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a downer day. You know, uh, El Kakui, Tony Ferguson Oof. got out grappled in you uh, at UFC 256 by Charles Oliveira. Um. Yeah, this is a nasty one. A lot of people thought like we're looking at this armbar finish and just going, "Mother of God, look at the extension there. Yeah. That is just bad." Um, I, I think before we get too much into the into the, the the meaning of the fight, what what's next for Tony? I think breaking down some of the things that make this armbar a little bit more unique, as opposed to your your 
basic arm bar would probably be warranted because I feel like there's a lot going on here that just, oh, it makes me hurt to watch. Well, you know, watching the highlights of it, I didn't get to see the whole thing live, but I did. I haven't seen the whole fight. I kept forgetting to watch it. But when you think about the idea of, you know, how it led to that point, there were a few different things that kind of, you know, first of all, that was the final breaking point. Like I think he broke it about three different times throughout the course of the actual on bar attempt. Um, that's just the last phase where he, you know, that's this is what guys do when you have a guy like Tony Ferguson that's really wiry, that just is refusing to tap. You've probably already hyperextended or broken that capsule three or four times in the elbow joint. So rather than just keep focusing on that where he gets out, especially if you have a nice tight grip around the throat like he does, like Alohari does. Um, you pin it across, you put it in your armpit, and now you can kind of start to crimp your arm down and break that elbow across the outside of your own hip to get super torque on it. Um, you know, lots of cool things and you things happened in this arm, but amazing jujitsu that happened up to that elimination point right there where they probably should have stopped it and you know, everyone was like please just tap just tap tony ferguson please but tony's a wise competitor he's tough as nails he knew it was short time he knew there was only he ended up getting saved by the bell i think in the final in this in this round he knew there was only about 10 seconds left in the clock so he wasn't going to tap you know i don't want to i want to say i agree with him but you can't fault him it's a ufc fight and you know to be in tony's tony ferguson's freaking defense like, he might just be a freak. Like, that arm looks broken to me and you, but I've seen people get twisted and pop like that in so many different ways, and they get back up again, and everything's freaking fine. You know, when you got back in the in the corner, you could see him kind of moving it around. Like, oh, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. No big deal. Tony knows his body better than anybody, but still amazing freaking display. Yeah, and, and you know, to, to see a guy like Tony who got to the, the pinnacle of the mountain – you know, and we there's always the biggest what if in MMA, I think, is always going to be that that Khabib yeah, Ferguson fight, you know, because yeah. everyone's like he's one off his back before. Maybe he gets out from under Khabib and is able to get him in a triangle or, or something. And, you know, then, you know, Gaethje uh, was able to just completely stop him, just brutally stopped him as emphatically as you can stop someone on the feet. And then that that match is never it's ne- it's likely never gonna unless never he gonna strings together unless he strings together a truly historic run against some world beaters I think his time knocking on Habib's door is done, and also that's warranting Habib's interest in staying in the sport, which he has said is is iffy at best. You know, there's scattered reports he wants to come back for one more. He doesn't. He's fine. He's not fine. Dana White's gonna try and convince him, but I, I think. We got to hand it to Tony because he's he's been one of the best advocates of jiu-jitsu in MMA for a while now. You know, he's got some incredibly legendary submissions inside the cage. He's been all about advocating kind of out there stuff, but you know, jiu-jitsu being there for him, like getting him out of jams and his personal problems aside, I feel like it's it's good to to remember that. You know, and he's not done. You know, he's not, no, he's definitely not done. He's the warrior in him. Won't let him quit. Tony Ferguson is going to be the kind of guy that Dana White has to say, you can't fight anymore. You're done. We're, you're done because I say you're done. You can go do a bare knuckle box. So you can go to Bellator <laughs> if you want, but I'm not going to be a part of watching you self-destruction anymore. You're just not on the level you used to be. All the guys at bare knuckle boxing are like, we'll legalize kicks for you, Tony. Just come over here. <laughs> you know, I, when I think about watching the last couple of fights of Tony Ferguson, particularly in this one, I just think it's unfortunate to see a, the decline of someone that was once thought to be invincible. Um, and it happens. It's what happens all the time. No one stays on top of the game on USC for their lifetime, unless you're George St. Pierre, I guess. Um, but, you know, it's sad and it is what it is. It's the way it goes. Uh, it's, it's, and we're always going to be robbed of that Khabib Tony Ferguson fight. We can always talk about it. But I, one of the things that I did hear some fans, I saw some blips on Facebook about this fight was a little joke. Someone kind of said something like, Oh, tell me again how Tony was going to outlast Khabib's top game pressure. You, you follow what I'm talking about? Like, if he couldn't yeah. handle Oliver, how's he going to handle, you know, Khabib in the same scenario? 
I I think that that one they're they're I feel like they're dissing Oliveira a little bit. You know, I feel like they like we're we're right. seeing how good he is on the ground and Habib. I mean, I mean, Ferguson is not a slouch. You know, like a lot of things have to be discounted for that joke to really land. Right. But problem here's the the problem with Habib is that he it, it's kind of awkward to talk about how good he is because you really can't build a basis for it for for comparing him to other people because it just doesn't it doesn't work it doesn't feel accurate you'd have to give it you'd have to have him go up a few weight classes to really find people that you're like oh wow maybe maybe daniel cormier is the guy to finally stop a <laughs> i I'll, I'll say like exactly the, the, i'll say one thing about Khabib again. We'll just keep talking about Khabib because why not? Khabib's awesome. He's he's probably he's the, the most best. even even out of the even out of the UFC. He's probably still the most interesting person in the UFC right now. <laughs> him and him and Connor. Yeah. Um, we'll see how Connor does against Poirier. I imagine he's going to starch him just like he always has. You know, it's the I, I, end of the day. Connor McGregor is still Connor McGregor. I mean, I don't see any reason why the outcome of this match is going to be any different than the outcome of the other matches they've had. Um, I still think Khabib comes back for a rematch with Connor for all the money. All the money. <laughs> yeah, all the money. Like it'll be the biggest thing in the history of 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 the UFC. Um it's it, it would be silly for Khabib. You know, I know he's a very I know he's a man of of amazing commitment and conviction. You know, it's his religious conviction, his conviction to his father. His mother told him never to fight anymore, and his plan was to fight and quit fighting eventually. Um, but, man, how can you say no to, you know, $50 million? Well, Habib's the type of guy that just takes the pay. Like, Habib would probably just take that and then build a school, you know? Right. Like, no, but, I mean, $50 million is still a whole lot of money. It's, it's a lot, a lot of money. You can build a whole lot of schools with fifty. You can build a lot of mosques, a lot of a lot of buy a lot of Qurans with that, man. Plus, you know, it would there's even more to it than that. Um, you know, Khabib wants to be remembered as the greatest of all time. He wants to make sure he puts that stamp on that. And I think that, you know, whatever you want to say, that if Conor McGregor goes out there and starts starching people and says that Khabib is running away from him, Khabib is this, Khabib is that, there's still that element of I'm going to go shut this guy up once and for all that's lingering in his head because their last fight didn't necessarily end in, on the best terms. Yeah, he won emphatically, but the jump out of the cage and all the other madness, you kind of lose the moral high ground after that. I, <laughs> I'm i going to not say that because I – uh, I'm not going to say that. I'll say it to you afterwards. But <laughs> yeah, wow! <laughs> wow! The fact, now I want to know. <laughs> yeah, no, we'll, we'll put a we'll put a pin in that. But I do think that as like if he stops right now, never fights again, twenty nine and zero. It is very unlikely, unless Izzy keeps putting him away, that we'll see that record challenged. You know, yeah, that's well, you that know, is. John Jones could always say that he. Holds the record. His one loss was horseshit against. Um, well, he's also lost for Miami. legitimate reasons, like failing right. drug exactly. tests. <laughs> right, exactly. Running, running pregnant women off the road because he's on a cocaine bender. Yeah, <laughs> like imagine that. I love how he acts like, when are you guys going to let that go? Oh, you when you almost killed a pregnant yeah, woman? When you almost killed a pregnant woman, right, exactly. You know, this I'm, isn't like, I cheated on my taxes, guys, let it go. It's God, just, God. The, whole, the whole thing with this guy, not to turn it into John no. Jones game, but what the hell. Like Again, the one thing I hate about John Jones more than anything is that there's never been any sign of true remorse or his action. And, dude – I have known countless, countless people that have these, you know, these addictive personalities that have these problems with substance abuse that are, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like uh, narcissistic freaking sociopaths, right? The only true sign of them ever recovering and them ever feeling the need to, to move on or recognition of their own faults is when they say I am sorry and they show that that remorse. And I've never once seen John Jones 
show that remorse. And until he does, he's always going to be a junk and he's always going to be a, a liability in my mind. It's just it's the way I think about things. I I, th- I think that's pretty fair. But but more to the Habib question, I think that one it it's there is pa- like I, I'm not going to say it's impossible. There's a pathway for Tony to get back there. I think a lot of people say he's oh, done. Habib right. says he's done. I, I'm not willing to count El Kakui out just yet, uh, but I do think a lot of things would need to change in his approach to training, you know, and also, you know, his game plan. He takes damage. He takes so much damage all the time, and he just can't do it anymore. Can't I keep think doing Ga- that. Gaethje broke his chin. Gaethje yeah. proved that his chin is not what it used to be, and I think that's – for his own safety, he needs to be aware of that. Bro, I think – yeah, I think, but Connor going against Poirier – as of right now, Connor's probably the most likely guy to get a rematch because one, he people kind of forgot how badly he decimated Cowboy. Right. You know, Cowboy, legend of the sport, perennial competitor. He bodied him in 40 seconds, wasn't able, able to get a punch in right. he, 40 seconds, just shoulder strike, shoulder strike. To the point where now everyone's doing shoulder strikes. Now everyone's talking about shoulder strikes like they're an integral. Oh, they were the missing piece. Like, no, Connor's just a madman. I saw saw the (laughs) MMA. uh, Well, it's just just, just shoulder pressure, Joe Rogan. (laughs) (laughs) But but I I do think that him and Poirier – well, because one, Poirier did do fairly well against Habib. You know, he was dominated for most of the match, but he did have a really – he came in a weird way. Poirier has come closest to beating Khabib than any anyone else because he had that guillotine attempt, that last-second guillotine that everyone was like, <gasps> Kev, can you hear me? Yeah, I'm good. Sorry. Yeah. So, but, but Poirier had that guillotine. Uh, Habib was able to defend it, but he still knew enough to lock it in and get there, and it – it looked like that was the closest we're ever going to see. And like by also by that time he was slippery, but maybe Connor's doing more grappling. Maybe Connor's doing more like, like maybe he's not so focused on boxing or whatever bullshit the Paul brothers are trying to lure him into. I, I think, yeah, no, yeah. We'll talk what, a little Jake, bit about that before I would have talked. Well, yeah. That's the last thing we're going to talk about. Yeah. Right. Um, But yeah, he, I, I think we're probably going to see him rematch Habib. You know, maybe maybe even Diaz gets in there somehow. Well, I, I mean, know. you know, a couple things have to happen too, though. Like Connor is going to have to probably win two more fights. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think just knocking uh, Poirier out is going to be enough for Khabib to want to come back because Khabib has already stated, "I don't give a shit what you say, Connor, until you win a couple top ten. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Until you beat a couple top ten guys in a row, like you need to work your way back up the ranks to fight for my title. Yeah, in the story, no other way around it. So I think we're gonna have to see Connor probably beat, you know, one more guy. Maybe a fight with Kakui would be fun, would be fun to see, right? An aging Kakui if if Connor can come back and make that happen, or maybe Connor just put Connor right up against Gagey. Let them two fly at it, and then we'll see what happens. The winner gets Khabib again, and that's that's the process. I if, think if Connor has the title and he's calling out Khabib for a punk, that fight will happen. No questions asked. I think the one thing that puts a kink into that that game plan or that order of events, because I do agree that Poirier's alone is not enough. Like he would need to beat he would need to beat someone else, but. I think that all of that gets thrown out the window if Connor does to Poirier what he did to, to Cowboy. Like if right. it's under a minute, like blitz out of that nowhere. Could, that dominant. could be that could also be true. If he goes out there and just starts his Poirier in like, you know, in the center of the ring with his hands up, yeah, like, like, that could be an automatic, hey, what are we fooling around with? Yeah, like like, like if we mix. if we get the mystic Mac of right. old, you know, of, of Jose, of Alvarez fame, you know, when he was right. absolutely predicting the way things would go and it was okay to like him, I feel like that would be really cool. Like I, I that would that would necessitate some changing of game plans for a lot of people. That would definitely be a huge, huge payday for both of these guys. That would be enough to make it. And I, I'm almost certain. I know. I know Connor wants to fight, but I'm almost certain in my heart of hearts the only reason he is doing this Poirier fight is in order to build up the case for a Khabib fight because a Khabib fight is just, like I said, all the money. Just give him all the money. 
You know what? <laughs> what I want to see just as bad as Habib, though, and that like this is this might be. I, I know that the shine and the allure of this isn't as crazy as it used to be, but I feel like if he beats Poirier, but he does it conventionally, like with a decision, and it's not enough. McGregor Diaz three. Yeah, that's another one. That's, that's obviously like, yeah, that's, that's all the money in the world. Right. That's that's all the money that's, in the world. That's another big. I don't think it's as big as no 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 no. Conor, but it's still a big money fight. Yeah, and, and I I'd think, be curious. There's so many. I mean, Aldo Connor is another potential big money fight. You know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? There's some. Maybe not anymore. You're probably yeah. Right. He's had some bad losses. I bad losses. I don't want to do that to Aldo. He's. But, I, I feel like he should probably. You know, Connor, Connor is Connor. Anytime you put him on, it's going to be the biggest fight of the year. Any any fight you put Connor McGregor on, it's going to be the automatically in, in the biggest fight of the year because he knows how to blow it up and he's a marketing phenom and he's fucking Connor McGregor. I, if he starches, I will take down an entire bottle of proper twelve if he starches. <laughs> we'll deal together. If he starches Poirier, like yeah, and if he starches Poirier, and like we'll, uh, we'll, I'll get a bottle too, and we'll we'll do some shots of we'll proper just, twelve, and we'll get hammered, and, and then get kicked say, off, and, and then Kit will say, and, "You guys are fired. <laughs> you guys are fired. <laughs> Great show. Don't ever call me again." <laughs> All right. Now we we gotta we gotta at least talk about this <laughs> real, I, quick, I, real quick, real quick. Yeah. Oh, so like. A week or t- a week and a half, maybe a few days ago, um, a YouTube star, Jake Paul, had a big boxing match against Nate Robinson. I think his name is former slam dunk champ. He starched him because he is a box. He is like an amateur boxer, and Nate Robinson is a basketball player. Right. <laughs> so that was going to go one way, and then he started making a bunch of. He started calling out McConnor, and then after that, his brother. It was announced he, Logan Paul was going to fight uh, Floyd Mayweather because nothing makes sense anymore. Yeah, the world's why crazy. Why not? Like, it's all cash Satan, grab anymore. Satan won. God is dead, and this we're we're experiencing the end days. And yeah, I wish, as much as as much as I try to feign away from my old uh, Jesuit high school Catholic Catholic school freaking uh, days of studying the scriptures, like I. Uh, I, it's hard for me not to at least think that into the equation when I see the way the world is going anymore. It's like up, upside down world anymore. Guarantee the minute the bell rings on Floyd Mayweather fighting Logan Paul, the rapture will happen. Yeah, and a bunch of people are we're all done. We're right all done. upstairs. Four horsemen are going to show up and go, Jesus, this place is already a mess. Jeez, we don't, we don't even want it anymore. <laughs> the dragon's like, hey, guys, do you need some help? But, <laughs> That's right. But, Beals, okay, Beals so, so a bunch of really crazy, weird celebrity combat sports fights are happening right now but you know to their credit the paul brothers have have are are good athletes you know they're 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 they've put in training they they look tough i mean both of them were like pretty high level wrestlers back in their high school days so you know that speaks to them being able to stand and bang um but the problem is jake paul is is kind of ridiculous like he's not as reeled in as his older brother it seems like even though his older brother filmed the corpse in japan so that just goes to show who you're dealing with um they've they've flirted with the ufc many times in the past but recently a few days ago jake paul actually hunted down dylan dennis uh connor's grappling coach and uh like well well known northeastern black belt uh out of unity still i believe uh, he he found him, throw, threw some toilet paper at him, and, and, and then drove away. I don't know if Dylan's responded. God, I hate this so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is this is where this is the world we've come. This is to, the PMZ. This, this is, is the, the news we have to cover. Dylan Dennis and someone who is literally just a, a, a straight YouTube star are, are beefing with one another, and we have to cover it because it's yeah. But I, I guess it's just I, what the only thing I really want to know is. Is this good for – do you think this has any – well, the only reason this has a tie to jiu-jitsu is just because Dylan is such Dylan a big competitor. He's, he's going he – yeah, he goes to – Yeah, but going on with these cats now, so fucking whatever. Good for them. Yeah, do you think this trickles down to jiu-jitsu at all? Like, do, I, like, do you think this has any benefit to – I mean, and, MMA maybe, but like – You I, know, so there's so many different layers to this onion – to kind of work through to get to any kind of common sense and understanding what's happening. You know, there's parts of me that hate Logan Paul and hate his brother, Jake Paul, Logan Paul in particular, Logan Paul is a fucking, I don't know if you've ever seen some of Logan Paul's yeah. old <laughs> YouTube videos, but like, 
oh, to say to say they are cringeworthy is an understatement. Some of the things he does when he's overseas, it's just like I like. I guess whatever you got to do to be famous is okay. I guess you know maybe you're making money. I guess, and then I guess his money is that important to you that you can completely destroy your freaking character and like destroy what Americans are viewed as around the world or enforce stereotypes of how shitty Americans are around the world and go to it. But you know, there's a part of me watching them understand the hype machine and the level they do and be able to capitalize on on market to be able to make money that I applaud them for in just a strictly, you know, uh, you know, entrepreneurial type thought process. But at the end of the day, it's so counterintuitive to everything that I hold true in my heart about being able to, you know, to fight and learn how to do things and fight your way up to the top. Like, First of all, Logan Paul, you know, whatever, you know, he's knocking out old men. He's had a boxing fight before and he beat up some like other YouTube star. And, you know, he actually, he made it's, funny, it's funnily enough, he actually lost that fight. Oh, did he lose funny. that fight? <laughs> he, he lost, but one like guy, I think he made like $20 million. Or who, oh, who it, was like, it, it was like, it was ridiculous. It, ridiculous. it was ridiculous. So, and that I gored, I guess, if us idiots at home are dumb enough to pay for it. I mean, I watched it. Whatever. Hell yeah, I watched it. What the fuck? I didn't watch that fight, but I watched the undercard of the Tyson fight. You know, if we're, if there's a market for it, why not capitalize on it? But the only thing I can think of when I think about things like that are guys that are legitimate fighters that have poured their heart and soul into becoming a fighter that, you know, sacrificed, that didn't have the opportunity to, to go out and party and take trips to Europe to go build their YouTube page. They're actually all about that life and living the grind to be a fighter, to work their way into the arena, to be able to get paid. Like I just, I feel like it's not fair to them. And I guess the other one can say, well, they should be better marketers. They should do this. They can do that. Like, I guess so. But like when I see shit like that, I see someone that's obviously putting the cart before the horse to market themselves. And it's just for the diminishment of any kind of competitive athletic endeavor. Like it's, I don't know. We, we wouldn't pay you know, if, if some peewee high school team or some like flag football team from fucking Boise, Idaho with a bunch of drunk bartenders, right. Were to challenge, the freaking Pittsburgh Steelers. Real, real quick, I feel like whenever you you need to reach for some ho- po dunk middle of nowhere town, it's always Boise, Idaho. <laughs> exactly. These well, fuckers from Boise, Boise, Idaho, Idaho man. <laughs> if you know this drunk bar league flag football team, we're talking shit about the Pittsburgh Steelers and calling them out and putting pictures out. And it's got this. Is, you guys are shit. You guys are this. You guys are that. And coax them into having a football match or a football game, like. No one would give a shit. We wouldn't watch it because it would be ridiculous. Essentially, that's kind of what's happening here. You've got the greatest football player or one of the greatest boxers of all time, Floyd Mayweather, accepting a fight against what? Logan fucking Paul. Probably he's going to make $100 million off of it because it's Floyd Mayweather. It's $20 million, $50 million. But come on, man. Like It's our fault for wanting to see it. And I think it's 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 bad just because well the Paul brothers kind of built their brand like the, it wasn't originally like this but their brand has become everybody hates us so let's market the hell out of everyone right. hating us because now if the, if they take fights they win even if they lose because if they win everybody's mad and they want to see them fight until they lose if they lose everyone's excited about it and happy and they they engage and they subscribe just to tell them to fuck off. It's a it's a vicious cycle that and that's it's a win win for them. They yeah. lose, they're still going to get paid. Who cares? They still get the attention. They still get their names in the spotlight. No one gives a shit. Now, I mean, like people want to pay to get them, see them get killed. You know, yeah. I I personally, honestly, I think I think uh, Jake Paul might beat Dylan Dennis in a boxing match. I think that he I, might. That even was beat the him. weirdest that, that this could be bad for jujitsu, just because people yeah. will kind of realize, oh, we like a lot of us suck at throwing punches. And if you've looked at, no offense, Mister Dennis, but if you've looked at his fights, you know. He's so bad at striking, homie pulls guard and looks right. for a toe. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I'll tell you what, Jake Paul ain't no joke. He's a big, strong kid. Not Logan. Fuck that kid. Jake Paul ain't no joke. He's a big, strong kid. The funny, you know, it's really funny, by the way, just a quick aside. It wasn't until about a week ago that I realized that they were two different people. I, yeah. always, I, I thought they were the same person. You thought they were just <laughs> real, this one really busy guy. That's just, just like, just like the Gracie brothers. So. Oh, my God. 
Yeah, I well, they're both real strong athletes, and I just I think I I don't want to write anyone off too bad just because I don't know these guys. I don't know what their whole situation is. I know they've done some really stupid stuff, but you know I've seen Logan roll with you know uh, crap. What's his name? Uh, but she you know, is a you just fought Izzy. He's got. Oh, um, Paul Acosta. You rolled with him. He looked really solid on the ground. I kind of wish that they'd they'd pass the buck and challenge these guys to jujitsu matches. That yeah, kinda- but there ain't no money in jujitsu. No one gives a shit about jujitsu matches. They would bring the money to jujitsu. People <laughs> would pay to watch. The- okay, here's the crazy thing. I, I you're right. These guys' fan bases are so fanatic and, and and passionate. They would pay these guys to to watch paint dry. Like, hey guys, buy the pay per view to watch us literally watch grass grow. <laughs> and and, then, and it, it would make a couple right. couple hundred thousand dollars. I'm not. I might kidding. make a fart joke in there somewhere. So exactly. I, I'll say something extremely offensive in there somewhere. I truly think that if these guys wanted to do, like, I know their hustle is everyone hates us, fly into it. But if you guys want to make some real positive change, get into jujitsu. Start a celebrity jujitsu promotion. Only we'll watch it, but we'll be happy. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll give we'll talk about it all week long. I want to see Snoop Dogg roll with Wiz Khalifa. Yeah. Wiz, oh, actually, Wiz Khalifa is a Muay Thai guy, so he, that, I, I see celebrity Muay Thai league. I think it's, I've seen him in a gi. Yeah, no, he's trained before. Yeah, that that'd be pretty cool. Oh God, <laughs> this is off the rails. All right, you you ready to call it, man? Yeah, let's go. We got to go do that meeting. Yeah, yeah. All right, well. Thank you, everybody, as always, for tuning in. This has been another episode of the Jiu-Jitsu Times podcast. Uh, you can catch all the articles and news mentioned in the episode on the website. That's www.jujitsutimes.com. But until next time, I have been your host, Kevin Bradley, joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Kevin Gallagher. Stay safe, stay healthy, and enjoy the holiday season, everybody. Good night.